you have a Bible today, let's open up to the book of James, chapter 1. James chapter 1. And look what it says in verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it brings birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And so I thought it was interesting there how it talks about the crown of life. And then it goes on to talk about how when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Um, And really what we're going to see, something that Moses uh, said to the people is, in one sense, I set before you life and death. And it has a lot to do with this thing that messes us up. Um, You guys know what it is that messes us up? Sin. Sin. Man, it messes us up. Now, God is gracious, and God can sometimes even take our stumbling stones and use them as stepping stones. But for the most part, you guys, my prayer is that as a church, we would understand uh, the damage, the devastation, the destruction that sin can bring. I think in one sense, the way that I like to look at it, you guys, is that God has this amazing, amazing, amazing life for you. I don't know what it is. You know, I don't know what your calling is. I don't know what your, you know, anointing, desire is, you know, mission is in life. I know that a lot of us here, you know, we have family responsibilities. Some of you here, you're blessed to be a husband or or a wife or, or a mom or a dad. You know, those, of course, are our high and holy callings, and then the gifts and the talents that you've been given by God, the responsibilities, the roles that you have. I don't know what they are, but man, there's this life. John 10.10 calls it the abundant life that God wants to give us. And so when we're going to talk about the crown of life, I want you guys to think a little bit about that. Of course you think about heaven. Of course you think about that time that we're home in heaven, the crown of life there. But it's not just there. It's all along the way. So, you know, we got life and then you've got death. And so in between is this battle that we have, this war that we have with sin. Today's passage will arm us with the truths that we need to overcome temptation to sin. Because as long as we live in these fallen bodies, in this fallen world, and fight fallen angels, we're going to be tempted, okay? And so I don't know if you guys have ever seen those Tweety Bird uh, quotes. Have you guys seen them? We've got a couple of them I want to read to you, um, the Tweety Bird Quotes. Here's one. It says, Dear God, I have been very good today. No grumpy thoughts, no swearing, no smacking people in the head, and no whining at all. But I'm about to get out of bed now. And so <laughs> I may need your help for the rest of the day. And there's another one. It's very similar to it, the one after this. It says, Dear Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I haven't gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, selfish, or self indulgent. 
I have not whined, complained, cursed, or even eaten any chocolate. I have charged nothing on my card, but I will be getting out of bed in a minute, and I think I will need your help then. And we're going we're gonna to face it, you guys. We're going to face temptation to sin. Uh, the moment we wake up, I think. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know. I'm just going to share something with you. Sometimes I get out of bed in the morning, and I have these horrible thoughts. I'm like, man, where did that come from? You know, and, and, and it could be even like the enemy reminding me of some failure I did the day before or some, you know, fear that I might have. I wake up with it. And, and I realize this, that while I'm sleeping, the enemy's already um, planning. He's like, how am I going to get this guy, you know, the moment he steps out of bed? So it is a battle, and I realize uh, what sin can do. And so today's study is very helpful in helping us to overcome temptation. When you think about what happened to Juliet, so he, she's here standing, um, going through a trial, and, and in one sense, my prayer is that you and I would be standing. As a matter of fact, there's two ways to kind of divide up today's study. Number one is standing against temptation. In verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, we're going to learn about that. And then I think part of understanding this is in verses 13 through 15. We'll be able to stand as we understand temptation. And so verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. How many of you here want to be blessed? I'm just curious. You want to be blessed? I know I do. Blessing means that good things that come from God. As a matter of fact, Chuck Smith says that it basically means happy. And I think we want to be happy. God's not against happiness. You know, you want to be blessed? Then what James is saying here is we're going to have to endure temptation. We don't give in to the solicitation to sin. Now, if you were to look at chapter 1 in the Greek language, uh, the word trials and temptation is the same Greek word. And so in one sense, you know, the trials are those difficulties that we go through in life, like what Juliet's going through in life. It's got nothing to do with, you know, some failure on her part. It's just, unfortunately, because we live in a fallen world, right? So she's going through this difficulty. She's going through this valley. She's going through this trial. And then it kind of, as you go through the book of James, something like that, could t- it could make you or break you. It could say, you know, forget this. Here I am trying to serve God, and I'm going through the difficulty. And some people at that point, they lose heart. They don't stand. And so it's, in one sense, a, a trial is, a, is an opportunity to grow, but it's also a, a, a temptation. It can be a temptation to fall. And that's what James is now getting to. He's now moving from trials to temptation, and a temptation is a solicitation to sin. It's that enticement to do evil. And that's where we're headed now. And what he says is, hey, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so one of the, uh, I guess you can say, inspirations, motivations to be holy and not sin is that if you stay strong, if you don't give in, then God will bless you with this crown of life. 
And like I told you earlier, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, when you die and you go to heaven, although that's part of it. I think that it's just this life that God wants to give us now. I want to bless your life. It's this crown of life, but we can't give in to sin. You know, in the New Testament, you have the Stephanos, which was the wreath that the athletes would get. Uh, You also have the diadem, which is the golden crown that the kings would get. And either one of those, I think, is kind of cool, if you think about it, you know, to be able to have. Um, But what we get is infinitely more valuable. What we see right here is it's not necessarily salvation, because we know salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. I think what we see here is when you overcome temptation, there is actually that uh, truth in that it proves you're saved in one sense, but at the same time, it's something that we're talking about that allows us to live a life that is not necessarily perfect, but proper. You know, Paul speaks of the crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4, 8. And Peter speaks of the crown of glory in 1 Peter 5, 4. James and John both speak of the crown of life. John talked about it in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Listen to what he says. He says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. See, there's a reward that God promises us, you guys, but we're going to get tested, you know? If you would, turn to 1 Corinthians 9, and we see something similar. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Look what Paul says in verse 24. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Or literally in the Greek, that you may win it. Okay, so you visualize all these people in a race, and some people, they're in the race just to kind of finish the race you know but others are in the race to win the race and paul says as christians that's got to be our mentality look what he says in verse 25 and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things they do it for a perishable crown but we for an imperishable crown and so you know we're disciplining ourselves therefore he says i run Thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline, what, my body, and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so Paul here, he talks about we're in it, you know, to win it. We're not just in it to to finish the race and say, hey, I was able to do the marathon. No, I'm in this race uh, to win it. And so what I'm going to do, he says, I'm going to discipline my body. Now, you're running a race. He says, I'm not running it with uncertainty. Now, there's a couple of different ways to look at that. Number one, you don't even know uh, the course. 
You don't even know, like, am I supposed to turn right over there, or how does this race go? No, Paul says, I know where I'm going because I'm following Jesus, and it's clear. His marching orders are clear. I have this relationship with him. I'm not running with uncertainty, and, and I'm not just beating the air. You know, I, what I'm doing is I'm beating myself. I'm bringing my own body into subjection. Lest Paul says, when I have preached to others and I've written the Bible and I've done all these great things, because if I'm not careful, I can be disqualified. And it kind of goes back to, well, what do you mean disqualified? It goes back to what is it that God wants for you in life? What's the mission? What's the calling? What is the life that God has for us? Because if I live a life of sin, if I keep giving in to sin, if I keep, you know, going that route of disobedience, then I might end up not really reaching the full potential that God has for me. You know, when you read the Bible, there are a few people who seem to do like really well and they're an inspiration for us. Someone like Joseph is a great inspiration because he went into this trial, he was sold by his brothers and then... You know, he was tempted sexually, he didn't give in, and then what ended up happening is he was then taken to prison because he was falsely accused, he was there for two years, but the whole time he didn't sin, he didn't give in. And so what ended up happening was his life mission was accomplished. He goes up and he gets elevated into the second most powerful place in the world, and he was able to save Israel and in many ways saved many people because he didn't give in to sin. You know, and so all I'm saying is, you know, all of us here have made mistakes. I'm not talking about looking back and beating yourself up. All I'm saying now is just look forward and see what God has for us because it, David could have had so much more, right? The, when Nathan came and rebuked David, he said, you know, your sin is forgiven you, but God had so much more for you. But now, do you know what's going to happen to your family? Moses could have went into the promised land, but what did he do? He blew it with his anger, and he yelled and struck the rock when God said, hey, I just want you to speak to it. I mean, there's a lot of instances, I guess you could say cases, where we find where individuals could have had more if they had endured the temptation. And so for us, again, like I said, none of us here are perfect, not looking back, but this is an important lesson for us to look forward. And Lord, how do I overcome this sin? How do I do this? Lord, this is so important for me. You know, I think about the, the NBA playoffs. And uh, although, uh, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about the athletes themselves. It's really not, that's not really an issue for me. But I have to be honest, I'm interested in sports. I think it's a guy thing. And plus I was listening to Pastor Chuck and he likes sports. So I'm okay with that, man. You know, but there's something about that. The way that these guys, they, if you know their work ethic, if you know their discipline, if you know you know, their, their, their challenges. I mean, for me, it's an inspiration. And I learn a lot of lessons from these guys. I really do. You know, I was thinking about Chris Paul and this guy. So many assists, no turnovers. That's the goal. Perfection. That's my goal. I want to make every single shot. Will I hit it? 
Probably not. Will I try? Yes. Every day. Wake up all the way through and every interaction and all that's going on. I don't want to sin. And so we see here the, the, the standing. Deuteronomy 30.19 is the passage that I alluded to earlier. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Moses says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And so when you're you know, standing against temptation, I think one of the motivations hopefully is the abundant life, right? To reach our true potential. But then another motivation we see here in this passage is genuine love. Look again what we read in James 1 and verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to who? To those who love him. You know, one of the things that we see why importance, why obedience is so important, and why trying to endure temptation is so important, overcome it and defeat it, is because it proves that I love God. That, that's what proves it. Not necessarily, you know, singing the song or maybe a fuzzy feeling in my tummy. You know, I think all of us here, if I were to ask you, hey, do you love God? Or if I were to ask you, do you want to love God? I'll bet you everyone here would say, yeah, I want to love God. Because First John 4.19 says he loves me and he, he died for me and he was nailed to a cross for me and he made me and he redeems me and he gives me every breath and every beat and all that's good that comes from him. He's so good to me. He's forgiven me, washed away all my sins. He's got my future in heaven set. I want to love him. I, I do love him. But... But how do you prove that you love him? By obeying him. Blessed is that man. Blessed is that woman who endures temptation for when they have been proved, and it's proved after testing, it's then that they're going to receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And that's why standing against temptation, to me, I think of those two words, the, love, the life and the love. True life and true love. And so we try every day, you know, my prayer is that we try every day to stand. You know, we try every day not to sin. You know, that's the standing against temptation. And there's a lot to it by the word of God, by the spirit of God, by the armor of God, you know. But um, I think another thing that can help us in this is understanding temptation. And that's where James gets into next. Notice what he says in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. You know, someone might say, well, it, it was, you know, God who, who made me the way that I am. You know, if he didn't give me such a temper, right, and you know, Hispanic blood, whatever it might be, you know, it's God's fault. Or, you know, if he, he, he made me this way, so it's okay for me to be this way. They blame it on God. Or he did this to me. 
God allowed this to happen to me, or God brought me up in a certain culture. Believe it or not, some people will blame it on God. And we have that tendency. Listen, one of the things that we learn in life, and you guys know this just as well as I do, you know, it's very important that we assume the responsibilities because otherwise we'll never overcome. I mean, again, going back to the sports analogies, you got a guy who commits a foul. Every once in a while, he just raises his hand. You know, most of the time you see these guys fighting it, right? Arguing, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And again, that's part of the game, I understand that. But, you know, when we make excuses, the worst of all saying, well, God made me do it, then you'll never grow. Some of you say, well, the devil made me do it. You'll never grow. Or the world made me do it. You made me do it. You'll never grow. Paul, James will go on to say eventually, no, you, we have to assume responsibility. Some people, though, they actually blame it on God. You know, remember in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve fell? Remember what Adam said? It was a woman you gave me, God. <laughs> it's her fault, right? But one of the things that we have to understand, and it's just got to be deeply embedded, because even though I doubt that any of you here in the church would have this mentality, it's out there in the world. God never makes us or causes us to stray in any way. It's never God. Because Isaiah 6, it says that he's holy, holy, holy. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The beauty of his love, the beauty of his light, the beauty of his being, the beauty of his holiness, we should desire that. And so we got to know, it's, well, definitely not God he does not persuade or incline, much less constrain anyone to sin by any means, whatever. But if you go to college or if you go to study different philosophies, you're going to hear something different. For example, pantheism says that man is only a mode of the divine existence and that God is good in his right hand and evil in his left. So believe it or not, there are some people who believe that. You know, you guys ever seen the yin and the yang? That kind of stuff. Fatalism teaches that all events, good and evil, come to pass under the operation of a blind necessity. So you've got pantheism teaching that. You've got fatalism teaching that. Materialism regards the vilest passions of bad men and the holiest aspiration of believers as alike, only the products of physical organism. And so what you find is that some trace their sins to their circumstances, blaming the sovereign God and his providence for surrounding them with bad influences. And so in a roundabout way, they're blaming God. Well, look, look at what's going on. And that's why I always like to go to Daniel whenever anyone says that. Daniel was only 12 years old, and he was in the worst place of all, Babylon. But he was holy, and he loved God. He did not make excuses. I'll bet you almost anything. Daniel saw his family slaughtered, but he did not sin. So, you know, you have to make sure that you don't blame God. When we're talking about 
standing in temptation, we have to have this understanding about temptation that it's not God. As a matter of fact, look what he says in verse 14. He says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And so temptation, um, we live in that nation of temptation. You know, we can't eliminate it altogether. I think in one sense, we can maybe lessen it or avoid it to a certain extent. Uh, For example, if you have a problem with alcohol, drinking alcohol, you're not going to go witnessing at a bar, right? Um, If you've got certain uh, problems, you don't want to put yourself in places where you're going to be tempted more. Uh, If you're, you know, courting or whatever, dating and you know, you got your single, you don't want to be alone together, you don't want to put yourself in places of temptation, right? There's another way to try to uh, lessen temptation. Jesus said to pray. Part of the model prayer was lead us not into temptation. I don't even want to be there. So we can't avoid it altogether. I think we can lessen it in a certain sense. And at the same time, we need to know that being tempted is not sin in and of itself. Jesus was tempted with his divinity veiled and the God-man was tempted, but he did not sin. But we will have to face it. You will be tested. One person said, temptation is not a sin. It's the bell that rings telling you it's time to fight. And so James here, though, tells us who we fight. We're going to have to face ourselves. We need this understanding that it's not God and it's not primarily the devil, although the devil will lie to us and the world will woo us. We need to know that it's primarily, it's actually me. It's my flesh that goes fishing. It's my fallen nature and heart that goes hunting. Those are the words that are described here in in the book of James. And we all have different inclinations. We're all different here, huh? How many of you guys are humble? I'm just curious. You wouldn't raise your hand on that. Just curious. No, we all have our different struggles. I I think as a a man, most men struggle with pride, women, and money. Probably girls struggle with similar things too. I was thinking, Lord, what are my areas uh, of struggle? And there's a lot I could share with you guys. But again, pride, woman, money, anger. I have a temptation to get anger, angry just like that. Um, fear, uh, I can have fears, sloth, which is laziness, gluttony. Uh, those are things that I could struggle with just like that. Uh, you have no idea how many potato chips I want to eat. I mean, I guess, oh man, I could live off potato chips, you know. And, um, but I've learned, I've learned, hey, it's not good for me. It's not good until I try to wake up and this is my certain breakfast, lunch, and, and, and dinner, stuff like that. Um, and it's hard. It's a battle. Uh, of, of course, I have issues that are, that are much deeper. I think we all do. A lot of people struggle with things like jealousy or envy. Uh, they say this. I heard this about Hispanic cultures. I don't know if it's true, but they say that they want others to do well, just not better than them. Have you guys ever heard that? <laughs> That's ugly. That's envy. You know, um, 
uh, there's sin is an interesting thing. There's sins that we commit. They call them sins of commission. You do this when you shouldn't have done it. There's also sins of omission, things that you should do, but you don't, like, for example, praying. So whatever the temptation is, the inclination to disobey God is, the solicitation to do evil is, I'll tell you what, sin messes us up. Sin messes us up. Sin might... It may sap your life from the potential that God wanted for it, it and it, and it just takes away the true life and true love. And so James says, if you want to stand, you got to understand, number one, it's not God. It's not God who did this or allowed this to happen to you. Don't blame it on him. Don't shift the responsibility to him. It's you. It's this fallen nature that we have. And what we need to do is, you know, as Christians, we understand this. Because if you were to go to the world and, you know, your apology class or whatever, the health class, the science class, they'll tell you that we were born with a blank slate. We were born neutral. And, and the Bible says that we were conceived in sin, that we, all of us, like sheep, have an inclination to go astray. Now, having an understanding of that I think helps us a lot to know, no, I have this fallen nature inside of me. I have a good Manny and I have a bad Manny, so to speak. Which one wins? And we've talked about this before. You have two lions inside of you. Which lion wins? It's the lion that you feed the most, right? Every man probably struggles with women. Every man, right? So if you know that, then you can't be, you know, looking at girls with lust because that'll feed that part of you, right? Because some people have that mentality, well, it's okay to look as long as you don't, you know, place an order type of thing. And there's that mentality, yeah, they're just a beautiful woman. And, and no, you can't do that because then you're feeding the flesh and then you know, even me on my phone, I, I've told you guys before, because I just want to warn you in a very practical way. You start looking at images and girls dressed a certain way, and it's almost like soft porn, and that leads to other things. No, kill it. Murder the flesh. Because what ends up happening is if you feed that part of your heart, then, then the, the inclination even gets stronger. He says, listen, in verse 14, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. And, and real quick, if you would, turn to Galatians 5, because I don't want you guys to think it's just, you know, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's, it's a lot of other things. Galatians 5. And it, it, this is kind of the way it's just, you know, broken down. You got the, the, the fallen nature, you got the spirit, inside of us and so this is what we need to do each and every day galatians 5 and verse 16 i say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Now those first four are all, are all sexual sins. 
Because really, at the end of the day, sexual sins are, are probably the most difficult and the most common. But he goes on to mention others. Idolatry, which is anytime we put anything before God. Sorcery, which has to do with drugs. Hatred, is there anyone that you hate? Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, which are the parties, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he goes on and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And so it kind of is talking about the same thing that James is talking about, don't walk in the flesh, Manny. Walk in the Spirit. Do you realize, do we realize that we can walk in the power of God? That we can walk on water, that we could grow, that we could overcome, that we as Christians don't have to sin. And that's all we're seeing here, you guys. We need to know that. We need to know that temptation comes from this lust within us. And so my prayer is that we wouldn't feed those lusts, we would starve the flesh, and we would feed the spiritual man with things like the Word of God and prayer and fellowship, doing things unto the Lord, keeping our eyes on Him. Because look how dangerous sin is. Look what it says in verse 15 of James. Back in James chapter 1 and verse 15, he says, Then when desire has conceived... And it gives birth to sin. Boom, there it is, the fall. It's like a birth. And it says, when it's full grown, it brings forth death. What does the Bible say? The wages of sin is death. And so I know you guys, and I, and I, I don't know how you, know you guys are all navigate through all these things, I know we can't be perfect. I understand that. We're going to sin. You know, even though, you know, we try, we're, we're going to sin. But, but um, my prayer is that we shoot for the bullseye every time. You know, when I'm dealing with my wife, when I'm dealing with my kids, when I'm dealing with people who are, who are mistreating me, when in my fears try to creep in, when my flesh wants to do its thing, I just, you got to have this heart as a Christian I love God. I love God. And, and don't just think it's a small thing because when it, you know, it's conceived and then when it grows, it brings forth death. Death. Death of what? Death of a lot of things. Death of what God wanted to do in your life. You know, and again, don't think that it's done for you. You've already blown it. I'm talking about your past. I'm talking about your present. I'm talking about your future. But the death of a dream, the death of a destiny, the death of an individual. You think many times in the Bible how even David's sin caused the death of his son. I mean, it can literally happen at times. And so just know it's an ugly thing when it's full grown. And so... My prayer is that there would be a great awareness of how dangerous and damaging sin is. We can't play with it, you guys. We really can't. In the Australian bush country grows a little plant called the sundew. 
It has a slender stem and tiny round leaves fringed with hairs that glisten with bright drops of liquid as delicate as fine dew. Woe to the insect that dares to dance on it. Although its attractive clusters of red, white, and pink blossoms are harmless, the leaves are deadly. The shiny moisture on each leaf is sticky and will imprison any bug that touches it. As an insect struggles to free itself, the vibration causes the leaves to close tightly around it, and this innocent-looking plant then feeds on its victim. I think we have a picture of it. And the flowers are really nice. Can you guys see that spider right there? I was thinking that might freak you out, but it's not. Oh, well, I tried. <laughs> and, it, and it catches. You know, you would never think this plant would be carnivorous, but that's what sin does. And so we shoot for the bullseye. We try not to. You know, God is willing to forgive, and God is gracious. And I like what Julie shared, her, her life verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's true. But we, we use grace, we don't abuse it. And so going through a text like this, my prayer is that God would just quicken us, you know, to live this life that he has for us. It's so beautiful when we walk in holiness. You know, one last picture I want to share with you guys, uh, something that someone had shared uh, with me this week. It's uh, about kind of like the responsibility of the pastor um, or the church, our leaders, our heart, you know. You see all the danger, all the wolves, all the lies, all the way that the enemy tries to come in and just ravage us. What Jesus does for us is he spares us from all that. You know, so if you're here and you're looking at that sheep and you're like, well, Manny, I thought you said we're all this, you know, full of lust and ugly inside and all that kind of stuff. I don't look too bad. Well, well here's the thing. Again, you're, you're beautiful because you're created in God's image. You're not hideous. You're not a monster. You're not ugly. But we are sheep. And sheep have a tendency to do what? To stray. Sheep will never survive without a shepherd. Never. And who is your shepherd? He's Jesus. That's all he wants to do is spare you. That's all he wants to do is protect you. It's all he wants to do is save you. But you have to make sure that you've made that decision. First of all, to give your life to Christ. And then secondly, to walk with this. Don't dance with the devil. Don't negotiate with nonsense. Don't flirt with fire. Sin, it can be dangerous. And so my prayer is, and I, and I just feel this like in my heart, Lord, I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin in a single thought, a single word, anything towards my wife or my kids or anyone, Lord, because I love you and I know the life that you have for me. So I pray that would be our heart. 